Hi, I'm Liz Hirschnoff-Tolley, and welcome to another episode of Capital Coffee Connection. And I'm really excited because today we have an amazing guest who I will introduce very shortly. But I'd like to just remind everybody the purpose of this podcast is to meet with amazing elected leaders, but not to talk about politics or policy, rather to really talk about humanity and heart. And I'll add in their hope and home. Because I find that so many times people are so quick to just say, oh, he's a politician, oh, she's a politician, and not to really understand that these are amazing people who are dedicated and are doing this incredible work because they really care. So when you think about like the human genome, and that everybody on this earth, 8 billion plus people, are 99.6% the same. And then you think, what is the 0.4% that brings them difference? And how do we actually make that difference something we celebrate and bring us together versus many times we find our differences and they tear us apart? So the purpose of this podcast is to really look into that and to actually have an opportunity to really get to know some pretty incredible people. One of the best things for me about being a parent is watching our kids be really inspired. And I have a son, he's an adult son now, but his whole life, since he was very little, he was very passionate about soccer. And what I realized was that soccer sort of helped me to raise my son. So he would get up early and work out hard during the week. He would get up early on the weekends, his favorite team, Tottenham Hotspurs, Premier League, and they played in London, so he had to get up very early in L.A. Um, and then playing the sport, it just taught him so much about teamwork and about cooperation and about just that endless, endless energy that you have to put into playing soccer. And I think those are the gifts that actually he carries through to his life today as a young adult, because uh, sometimes you can actually run around for 90 minutes and not score. And you can run around in 90 minutes, but it's really truly the art of the time that you're together and not necessarily the score, although we all like to win. Anyways, uh, today I have a winner and I have somebody that played a lot of soccer growing up and um, he was a Division I college soccer player. Um, and he'll tell us a little bit about that, but I'm going to introduce him as a congressperson. His name is Eric Swalwell. He is the congressperson from California's 14th district. He's been in the House since 2013. And um, I'll just give a quick list of the cities that you are in because I think it's interesting for people to know. So you're on the San Francisco Bay on the east side. And you have cities like Dublin, Pleasanton, Livermore, Hayward, Union City, Fremont, Castro Valley, and San Lorenzo. And so you really have a beautiful area, which is like suburban, city. Um, I even think you have some wild turkeys running around from what I've uh, two surmised. Rodeos. What do you have? Two rodeos. Two rodeos. You got yeah. a lot going. Anyways, Eric, welcome. And we're here to have coffee together. And Eric's having a nice coffee, and I'm having my oat milk cappuccino. So welcome, and thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you, Liz, for having me. So we're going to go back to the beginning of Eric time, um, which isn't that long ago because Eric is young. Um, but tell us, you grew up in, you were born in Iowa, but then you grew up in Northern California. And tell us a little bit about what it was like to be young growing up in, you were, grew up in Dublin. We moved around a lot. Yeah. Lived in about 13 different homes and went to 11 different schools before I graduated high school. Wow. And we landed in Dublin. And I remember playing soccer that everyone around us called it Scrublin. Scrubbling. Scrublin. Yeah, kind of as that like pejorative nickname. And 
that was because Dublin was this kind of crossroads town between uh, Pleasanton, Danville, San Ramon, cities with a lot of wealth. And Dublin had, I would describe, low income and low expectations uh, Mm -hmm. for the people that lived there. Uh, And my parents, um, we rented there when we first moved there. And we moved a lot, but something that always like united the family, even if we had to go to a new town, uh, was sports. And so uh, that was kind of a a way to make friends quickly when you got pulled out of a school and, and moved somewhere new. And I have a Irish twin brother who's 11 months younger than me. And we were on the Dublin Little League together. And it was the major season. So if, if you have kids who played Little League, yeah. that's kind of, you know, that's that's the Little League World Series. Those right. are, that's, the know, playoffs. you're good enough, yeah. you make that. And every year in Little League, we were kind of a two-for-one deal. If you have a sibling who's in the same age bracket as you, like if you get drafted, they come with you. Mm-hmm. And that major season, uh, when I was 12, 13, my little brother made the all-star team, and I did not. And you can just imagine how crushing that is when you're the older brother yeah. and the little brother makes the all-star team. And I remember going to my dad and saying, like, how the hell could this happen? <laughs> they drafted me. He came along because I got drafted on the team. And that's where my dad told me, son, it was actually the other way around. They drafted your brother and you got put on the team because you were his brother. Wow. And it was just crushing for me. And my brother was great. And he, he went on to like play varsity baseball uh, and, and did very well. And his All-Star team went very far in the Little League World Series like kind yeah. of playoffs. And so I was kind of left without a sport. And so for a year or so, uh, my brothers also played soccer. And mm-hmm. they needed someone to shoot on. And so I'd stand in front of like the bushes uh, in our yeah. front yard. And I'd play goalkeeper. And I would just dive around and I try and it. save their shots. Yeah. And the brother, the Josh the uh, 11 month younger brother said to me, why don't you just go play soccer? Like you, you like this, you're pretty good at it. And so at like 13, I played recreation soccer as a goalkeeper and loved it. And over the years just kept moving up and up and up and saw it by the time I was a sophomore in high school uh, as a path to go to college. And you, you did get indeed a scholarship. I was fortunate that there was a player ahead of, one year ahead of me on the team who was also a goalkeeper and a very good goalkeeper. And he was a friend and mentor to me. His name was Chris Doyle. And he was chasing you know, that recruitment life right. and, and meeting with coaches, going to camps. And no one in my family had ever gone to college. And no one knew how to give you the, the, the guidebook to doing that. Right. So I borrowed his guidebook, yeah. uh, which like literally there's like a college recruitment book that was pretty expensive. And I would just use his book. And I would borrow his tripod and his video camera, and then I would give my mom instructions on like how to record, and then I'd have a good save, and then I'd be screaming from the <laughs> sidelines, "Mom, did you get that?" Yeah. And she'd be like, "Oh, sorry, honey, I was talking to like Kathy or Susie," and you're like, "No, mom, yeah, focus. We're sending these to coaches." Uh, and so Chris was recruited. He played Division One, and it was a blueprint for me. Right. And so I was able to get recruited. I probably picked a college in a way that I'd never advise anyone uh, to pick a college. Uh, one. I needed it to be paid for because we yeah. just didn't have the finances, you know, for me to go to college otherwise. Two, I was competitive enough that I insisted on only looking at Division One schools. And three, I was impatient enough that I did not want to sit as a freshman. I wanted to go to a program to where I could play on the field. as a freshman. And so there was one school in America that was going to pay for it, 
was Division One and would let me play as a freshman. And that was Campbell University uh, in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. And so I went out to Campbell, played two years. Uh, our non-conference games were against Duke and Carolina and Clemson and Wake. And so I was exposed to the best. Uh, and the best thing that happened to me, frankly, was at the end of my sophomore year, uh, I was injured in, in about a two-week period of time, broke both thumbs, which is a, you know, any other position on the field, yeah, gives you the chills, fine. Yeah. You can't be a goalie. Goalkeeper, yeah. not so fine. I thought the world was over, and a high school mentor and teacher called me and said, Eric, the world's not over. I know uh-huh. you could never see beyond the next soccer game, but why don't you apply to work for your member of Congress in Washington, D.C. as an intern for this upcoming summer? I didn't even know if I was a Republican or a Democrat. I knew my parents were Republicans, so that meant I probably had to be a Democrat because, like, at that age, you just want to reflexively be the opposite. <laughs> Anything your parents right. are not, you're going to be. And, and so I interviewed and found myself that summer in Washington, D.C. Nice. and loved it and never wanted to go back to soccer. And so I transferred to the University of Maryland and had to call my parents and say, Mom, Dad, you know that scholarship we had that paid for most of this? Well, I just got in as a transfer student to Maryland. I'm going to be able to keep this unpaid internship that I have on Capitol Hill. But I am now an out-of-state student, and we're going to have to find a way to pay for it. Did you go and get jobs in addition? Oh, yeah. I, I worked at Tortilla Coast, which is a uh, it was a Tex-Mex place right next to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. I worked at um, Washington Sports Club, which was a, a gym also next to the Capitol. So from 5 to 8 in the morning, I'd work at the sports club. And members of Congress would come in, and I'd often give them their towels, towels and check them into, like, their squash right. courts. And then I'd work the internship, do my classes. And then in the evening, I'd work at Tortilla Coast. Oh and, again, my. members would come in, like, between late votes. And a little, like, I guess parlor game or parlor trick that I figured out was if you memorized their faces and knew their names, you could always get better tips. Mm. So, like, you'd be like, oh, Congressman Miller, yes. so good you to see you. To Welcome. That. And it probably wouldn't surprise you that members of Congress are very easily flattered. <laughs> and so yes. that was just kind of my you way You look amazing. Bit. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that was and my parents, to their credit, like I was working minimum wage jobs. They had to take on a number of other jobs yeah. and overtime uh, to make it work. And they yeah. did. And yeah. um, Now, did, have your parents, are, I'm assuming they're still Republican, do they vote for you? I'm just curious. <laughs> After I was elected. Because you're in their district, right? No. So I, oh. I, they were when I was elected in 2012. Okay. Did they vote for you then? I hope so. Okay. Um, the, the best part of that campaign was my dad uh, and I knocking on doors uh, together. Nice. And I would take the even side of a street. He'd take the odd side. And he would, I always would tell him, you open the conversation. If I hear you get someone who opens the door, I'll come across the street and close it. And almost every single time, my dad would say, you know, to a voter, especially if it was a Republican voter, he would say, you know, my son, he's a Democrat, but I think he's going to come around and be a Republican. And I'd have to run across the street and be like, Dad, dad no, 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 that's not, that's not how it works, Dad. Like, I'm not going to be a Republican, sir. Yeah. I, I want to be up front with you. Like, my dad still, like, was holding out hope that I would be a Republican. Listen. This, yeah. we, this is what we do with our kids. We want to help them. We want to do as much as we can. But then sometimes, like, you know, they're just going to be who they are. That's right. Speaking of which, I think we could jump right into it because when I first met you, you had no children. Yes. And in the last seven years, you and uh, your wife, Brittany, have been very busy because you have three children. We do. How did that happen? I was a single delinquent, no wife, no kids, member of Congress for my first couple years. And I could work 25 hours a day, yeah. 
and say yes to everything. And it so happened in uh, the fall of 2015 that a couple that I had set up 10 years before reached out to me and said, are you still a single delinquent member of Congress? And if so, uh, would you want to meet our friend Brittany? And so that couple who I set up, married, three kids of their own, introduced me to Brittany, who had moved from LA uh, to the Bay Area. She worked in hotels. Mm. And what's so funny is that that first date, I was flying back from DC. It was during this, the late summer, yeah. early fall. And as you know, there's lightning storms all the time in DC. And the date was supposed to be at like 6.30 on the Embarcadero at a restaurant I had picked. And the flight was going to land at 6. So I was already a little ambitious that I'd be able to make it on time. And I'm sitting on the tarmac at Dulles. And like each lightning strike, you're like, shit. Like that's 15 minutes you have to wait before the plane can take off. Because it has to be 15 minutes of no lightning. So like four or five strikes in, I keep moving the time to the right and to the right. And by the time I push it to like 8 o'clock, she just writes back and says, like, why don't we just reschedule this? And because I was single, delinquent, no wife, no kids, and would say yes to everything, I pathetically wrote back to her and I said, please don't reschedule. Oh. I'm not available for like six more weeks. Because like I just like, I know, said yes yeah, to everything. Yeah. And she's like, fine. It's a school night for her, but she'll wait. I finally made it there uh, at 9.30. Oh, wow. And, and, and Liz, I was... The one image I did not want her to have of me was like barreling in late, carrying an overnight bag. And there was a hotel next to the restaurant. And so I thought, you know what? I'm already late. I'm going to go to the hotel, pretend that I'm checking into the hotel and just ask them if I can bag check yeah, you yeah. Know, my bag so she doesn't see me like pathetically, pathetically showing up with, showing up with the bag. Yeah. And so at the, at the end of this great first date, I, you know, she's called an Uber and I said, you know, I'll get my own car too, um, but do you want to walk over with me to this hotel? I'm just going to grab my bag. And she was like, oh, this is the move, huh? The congressman with the bag at the <laughs> hotel. She's like, do you do this every time? I'm like, no, 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 no. I just just needed uh, you know, to get my bag. But that I didn't want her to see me as, as I said, like just like this traveler who's always on the road. Right. And she'll say that she was completely duped because that's the lifestyle that she ended up marrying into. Um, but we would be married, we'd be engaged about six months after that, wow. married six months after the engagement, and wow. uh, pregnant, and three kids within five years. That's amazing. Yeah. So she truly, she truly liked you. It was something different. Just to wait till nine thirty at night. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Even and for I, a good-looking congressperson, <laughs> that's a little long. And and she'd never met a congressman until she met me. Uh -huh. Like she grew up uh, in Southern Indiana, and. Uh, actually, her family was very close uh, with the Pence family. Oh wow! Um, so she comes from a Republican family. As very well? Republican family, and um, and they accepted you. Yes, of course. You were already course. a leading Democrat at that point. So and and her grandfather had been a pallbearer, and Mike Pence's grand and Mike Pence's father's funeral. Mike wow. Pence mowed her grandparents' lawn, and and so uh, she knew a little bit about politics, but she went to business to school for business worked in hospitality, and just really didn't bother herself uh, with politicians. And and so I think to her this was more uh, of just like this will be a fun date to see like what a politician is yeah. like and didn't expect that I would, uh, you know, try and pursue it 
as hard as I can. Yeah. But I, I, I want to ask two questions. One, I really love to know what it's like. How do you guys spend family time together? Like what is you try to get home, I'm assuming, to have dinner with them yeah. when you can. But what? how do you make, because obviously that is your priority, but you also have a commitment with work. So how do you balance work with the kids and it's with inc- your wife? It's incredibly hard. She just started her own business about two years ago, and, and she's trying to grow her business. She's on the road almost as often as I am. And, and you know, Sunday nights, we always have these, you know, oh shit moments where we realize there's like a gap in like who's going to cover what with the kids or get so-and-so to camp or to school and so that's always fun like the scheduling and, and yeah. sorting it out but what we what we try and do is um as much as possible to be down on the weekends um just like my family growing up and, and she comes from a family where her dad played division one baseball at indiana university and her sister played division one volleyball uh, we're a sports family and, right. and so um the best piece of advice my father-in-law gave me was you know, in a sports family, uh, if you do not actively get involved in your kids' sports, you're just going to be a bystander, and and, and you're going to go to the games, and everyone else is going to know what's going on, and you're you're going to feel like a Listen, bystander. Listen, I spent a lot of time on baseball, soccer stadiums, basketball, and I I I would not take back one moment of yeah. that. Could have been freezing. It could have been loud. It could have been the longest game, but those were the most important moments. Even when, like, my kids ran in the wrong direction yeah. on a basketball court, like, yeah. at five years old because they <laughs> wanted to play, but they didn't know what they were doing. Those are moments you can never take back, and they're, they're just beautifully laid in my heart. So I've actively tried yeah. to not be a bystander, even if it means, you know, showing up at, like, a 90-degree baseball <laughs> practice in your suit yeah. um, and not as comfortable and looking awkward, but just to try and yeah. be there. So I, I, I do see sports just like the way that she and I both grew up separately as being – a part of what we do and then you know we love we love to just all be in the kitchen together cook and say you know hey alexa play taylor swift and we we love to have like taylor yeah. swift dance parties while you're and, in the kitchen and then our kids now all three of them even the 21 month old can say alexa and whatever they want it to play and so the 21 month old says she's a dj encanto that's his oh, alexa encanto he, he wants encanto uh, that's music. his favorite one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my daughter wants Frozen. Okay. Uh, and my son, he he's got kind of like his baseball walk-on songs, and so yeah, uh, he's asking for those. So, so what kind of music uh, do you like to listen? Country. To? I love You're country. You're a country music. guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, but I do love Taylor Swift, and yeah. dads can be Swifties too. Dads can be Swifties too, and we need we need yeah. Swifties from uh, both sides, moms yes. and dads. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, but no, country music I think is what my wife and I both yeah. enjoy the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I were to say, what is the hardest part of, besides scheduling, what is the yeah. hardest part about being a parent? Oh, and it's not bad, it's just hard. I, I would say just childcare with two parents working um, and, and wanting to see your wife be successful. It, she's in such demand for what she does and she's got such a niche uh, in her business, but it kills me to see her turn down growth opportunities because of me. And, and if she had never met me, I mean, she would be like in a C-suite somewhere. Like the only thing that's held her back professionally is that she sacrificed herself, you know, to be a congressional spouse. Yeah. Uh, and so that that part just kills me because she's got her own talent. Um, but I, I imagine that part of her talent and part of her 
uh, ability is that she has you as her supporter. And so yeah. there's a balance. And raising, you know, there's always that myth you can't do. You, there's that thing, oh, I can be this, I can be that. It's yeah. really hard for both parents right. that are involved in raising kids to have all of their career. You could be at 10 more dinners. Yeah. You That's could right. be maybe the head of five more committees, but you can't do it all because you've got these three children, which are the most important. Um, and I imagine that she, um, while you may feel bad, she also feels the strength that you give her to do the work she does, which is pretty special. It, I, I hope so. Yeah. And, but I've also learned that even with that mama bear gene, that I can figure out the child care issue so that she can do what she needs to do for work. But she's still, it's going to kill her to be away from yeah, she's like, still, the kids. Yeah. And it kills me. But like it's, it, she always says to me, it's different for me than you. She's like, I don't know how you can you know, be on the road for three or four days and it doesn't kill you. And she's like, I can't even be away from them for like a day. And so I, I just, I hate that you know, she even has to think about that and also try and grow a business yeah. and, and then deal with you know, my job. Like there's... You know, there's a lot to go. There's, there's sacrifices in time and then like, you know, that's just the flood of death threats that come her way. And she's got to deal with, OK, you, you're going to have security here, here and here now. Don't put the kids in the front yard. And it's just. Yeah. So it, honestly, gallows humor gets us through a yeah. lot of it, if that makes sense. No, like, it in does. a weird way, we just. Yeah. Kinda, and you dance in the yeah. kitchen to yeah. Brittany uh, to uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah. And that makes it work. Yeah. Um, what is the best advice you ever received and perhaps the worst advice? The best advice I've ever received um, is don't chase a title, chase an issue. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to move back after law school to where I grew up in, in Scrublin. And um, the mayor of Scrublin told me that the city was experiencing a renaissance okay. and that they were attracting higher end like development and they were building out and that he, I should come back and get involved. And I said, that's great. I'll come back. I'll run for the city council. I'll join you. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, he, he said, you're going to join the arts commission. I said, well, what about the planning commission? I can at least start there. He said, no, no, arts commission, learn the city, and then we'll think about it. So I did two years on the arts commission. Then I said, okay, I'm ready to run for city council. And again, he goes, no, 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 no. Now you should go on the planning commission and learn how development works. And finally, after that two years, I ran for the city council. And, and his advice was, if you just chase an the office title. and the title, there's a good chance you'll lose. And you could, if you lose, there's a good chance you'll be so demoralized, you won't want to go in to public service. And so I was able to learn kind of the issues that I cared about and never thought that a congressional like seat would be possible. And so I'd gotten in, interested in like innovation and, and development and transportation and as a prosecutor, gun safety. And so when the congressional seat came through redistricting right. and a 40-year incumbent got moved into our area, I wasn't think I had not been trying to plot a path to Congress because I probably would have failed. And instead it just gave me an opportunity to, to run on the issues. And so the advice I give to young people is yeah. who want to run for Congress, who want to run for a mayor or whatever, is find the issues you care about, and those issues will lead you to the right office. Yeah. If you do it the other way around, you may lose, you'll probably lose, and worst of all, you'll probably um, you know, never want to serve again. Worst advice... And not enjoy it. And not enjoy it, yeah. yeah. I, th I think the worst advice has been to... 
you know, this idea that you have to be a young man in a hurry. I, I heard that phrase, you know, a lot. That's that, terrible. That like, you know, just, you know, you got, you have to like, you have to meet the expectations game. Yeah. And I think that's in part why I ran for president in 2020 was I, I, I know that I was running on the issues of, of gun violence, but I also felt like this pressure of like you get elected at 31 and you know, you, you do the Russia investigation and, and people start to say, you sh- you know, you have to do this. This is your moment. Like, there's there's no such I, I don't believe in that now. And I, I don't regret running. But I do believe there's something to be said about patience and experience and knowledge and, and watching Speaker Pelosi and, and others who have, you know, she didn't go into public service until after her five kids were all out of the house. And she, yes. I think she was nearly 50 years old. Like, there's something to be said for that. And so I, I'm, I, I don't listen to anyone now who says, like, yeah. you know, this is your moment. You have to strike. Nope. And, I get it. And she gave me the best advice once. She said, you know, Eric, in public service, once a threat, always a star. So don't feel like you have – like, if you do – like, if you do something else or step yeah. out of, you know, the public spotlight or public service that you're not going to be relevant. And I, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves – and so, like, yeah, it's liberating to, to think Part about Part of that, that does way. come with age. You, yeah. you need to go through the process. That's right. Okay, now we're going to switch and have, like, some fun questions. And um, you can just give a simple answer or you can tell why. But yeah. they're more yeah. like a sure. – not speed dating, but speed questioning. Yeah. Um, stranded on a desert island, what meal would you would love to see sitting there waiting for you? Johnny's Donuts Maple Bar. Johnny's Donuts is in uh, Dublin, yeah. And uh, despite that renaissance that's happened, and it's like it's now, we don't call it Scrubble anymore. Like, they have a Whole Foods there. My favorite place to go is still Johnny's Donuts. I'll call them in the morning to see if they still have maple bars. I get two, and I know I shouldn't get two, but they're so damn good. Well, you're still, go- you're still yeah. young enough, yeah. perhaps, for two. Yeah. Um, you told me already what your favorite music is, but let's say you're out for a run. What are you going to listen to? Because country music doesn't do it. This, I have like stumbled into a gangster rap like the 90s yeah like reliving like dr dre easy e ghetto boys like i don't know why but that's just kind of like what but I've it's been. great to run to it's great to run to yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. do you have time to run still yeah okay. I, I, I run every day that's Good. the one time where For i can yourself. just yeah it, it's thera- therapeutic yeah. i would say yeah um if you have to pick one household chore what's your favorite chore <laughs> i i love um vacuuming and mopping like and just <laughs> like clean floors yeah, yeah. We, we do it every night because we're and that's also part of the family routine with three kids is is like just cleaning up we just believe that if you don't do it it'll just get worse and worse and worse I agree. so we all have a routine and yeah. the six-year-old we're trying to like fit him into the routine now so he's got so he's got some more to do he yeah. can be part of the yeah. routine but i do the vacuuming like with the airpods in and you yeah. know yeah. i love it i love it um if you could travel to one place in the world that you've never been, what would that place be? Been dying to get to Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. 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 You need to wait a few years when your kids are a little older because yeah. that's a trip that's Is really that right? special with your kids. Yeah. yeah, I did it with mine. They were a lot older, but it's phenomenal. Yeah. But I think going to see those that that experience with your kids is yeah. is, is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to play this little game <laughs> called Kiss, Mary, Trash. Some people know it as different, but that's the way I call it. And you basically, I'm going to say three things. And you say what you want to kiss, what you want to marry, <laughs> what you want to trash. You can just say them. You can give us a reason why. Yep, yep. Um, but they're all softballs. They're Good. easy ones. Good. Okay. 
First one, summer, spring, winter. Um, kiss, spring, merry, summer, trash, winter. Okay. I assume you know what a cold, snowy winter feels yes. like. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Iowa boy. Yeah. yeah. If you wanted to, if you have time to relax, which between everything, I'm not sure you have too much time, would it be, you have Netflix, reading, meditating? Med, uh, no, not I, I don't even know what meditating is. It, it would definitely be Netflix. Yeah. That would you'd marry yeah. Netflix. Yeah. So marry marry Netflix, kiss okay. reading, and trash meditating. Yeah. And I've been I've been following uh, Breakpoint. If it's it's now it's on Netflix. It's a tennis doc. It's kind of like the I've, F, I've the heard F, of it. I have folks who did it. F1. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. So there's like all these new docs on like different sports that like you don't know too much about. So I've been intru- that's kind of my like can't fall asleep. Go to. How do you relax? Yeah. yeah. There's some pretty impressive and yeah. inspiring folks out That's there. Right. Yeah. You may have already answered a little bit earlier with food, but like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Um, kiss, breakfast, merry dinner, trash lunch. Okay. Foods Mexican, Japanese, Italian. Kiss, Italian. Mm-hmm. Merry, Mexican. I hate to say this. I love Japanese, but okay. But it's third. You yeah. don't have to trash it. Yeah. Just say third. Yeah, okay. third. Uh, pastas, Ooh. three of them: penne, spaghetti, or fusilli. Yeah, fusilli, fusilli number one. So yeah. that's you, Mary. Yeah, d- absolutely. And then uh, kiss, uh, spaghetti, and yeah, sorry, penne. Trash penne. Yeah. Um, and last. Uh, these are easy. These are easy. I know, but they're yeah. kind of fun ones. Yeah. Okay, but this one, I didn't put <laughs> soccer in there. And by the way, do you call soccer a soccer or football? Because if you're the European version, I just wondered which one is like to you, football or soccer? Yeah, I just call it soccer. You call it soccer. Yeah. Okay. My son, Kobe, football. Yeah, football. Yeah. And when I say soccer, he's like, mom. Yeah, and my, my two oldest speak Spanish, and the, the youngest goes to a Spanish daycare, and um, they, they call it football. Football, football. Yeah. yeah. Last one. Basketball, baseball, or football with two O's? Basketball, football, baseball. Okay. To watch, yeah. Uh, Go Dubs. Go Warriors. This is our year. Yes, okay. We got Chris Paul. Sorry, LA. Let's see how it goes. We'll we'll talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My last piece. I'd love to know what your... What you believe joy is, Mm. how you have joy, what joy is for you, and how perhaps you spread joy... Um, in your life? Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Right. Um, and I'm learning that more and more. And, and so to me, joy is seeing like the like the sacrifice, the accumulation of like sacrifice and patience like pay off. And so I, I see it mostly in my children where like you teach them something or you expose them yeah. to something uh, and then to see that um, they're enjoying something. So, like, joy was watching my son after two years, you know, trying to teach him to ride a bike. And then we were on vacation uh, last week, and he and I could ride bikes all over together. Like, that was that was joy. That's joy. Yeah. How do you feel people can share their joy or spread joy so that others can feel it? People always feel when there's a negative energy, but how do you spread a positive energy? And, and it might not be... It's something when you feel joy that then you're able to share with others. Yeah, it, it's sharing your joy, but also seeing in others like what what is the obstacle for their joy, and just playing a small part in mm-hmm. helping them. You know, putting a couple bricks down. You know, for their path, that's also fulfilling. 
uh, for me. That's joy. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's a perfect way for us yeah. to end. And thank you for sharing your life. And you have a young life, but you've <laughs> done a lot and you will continue to. And um, thank you. Thank you.